Hello to all of you out there. I am Ulrike Seminati, host of the podcast, Empowering Female Leaders, for women who want to thrive. Every week you will get new perspectives, exciting insights, and empowering messages of women from all over the globe. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Empowering Female Leaders. I am pleased to welcome today Taylor Harrington, who is on a mission to create the opposite of loneliness in the world. She's head of community at Groove, which is an extraordinary free app for solo workers from all over the world to instantly connect and conquer their to-dos alongside each other. Before joining Groove, Taylor designed online learning experiences with best-selling author Seth Goding. I'm really, really impressed. In her free time, she hosts special gatherings for community leaders and friends in New York City. Taylor, do you want to add a few words about yourself? Oh, wow. Well, thank you for that introduction. I will say I am always thinking of new ways to bring people together. In the last year, I've had a lot of fun building picnics, creating flower parties in my free time. So I'm always trying to figure out new ways to make the world feel less lonely. And I've had so much fun doing that in New York City in the past year. So yeah, I'm excited for this conversation and to talk about adult friendships and loneliness and how all the listeners out there can find ways to feel less lonely in their work and outside of it. So thanks for having me. Yeah, that's great. And it's a very different topic than I had so far. So it's really interesting. I mean, you're working for an organization who is doing it for people who are working alone mainly. And mm -hmm. the topic of loneliness is something that I can see spread all over the world today, much, much more than it was three years ago. Because today, yes. so many people sit at home, they work from home. Many people love working from home. And I hear from many organizations, it's so hard to get people back to the office. Yet there is this lack of social connection that we usually had. We were grabbing a coffee or on the floor, you meet someone in the elevator. These kind of situations nearly don't exist anymore. And so people lose their connection and are just rushing, actually, from one end-to-end -end meeting to another one throughout the day online. And I think the feeling of loneliness, not being able to just share what we have lived through uh, throughout the day, is just hard. So what is your first take on this? Yeah, well, thanks for opening up that conversation because I think that it's such an important one to be having. And I think, like you said, with the COVID pandemic and with this shift to remote work for so many people, it's just accelerated this conversation even more than it was years ago. I think that this concept of loneliness is actually really closely in line with this idea of social health, which is starting to really pick up. Um, so we talk about mental health a lot. Luckily, it's become a much more popular conversation. I was even chatting with a friend the other day and uh, she's like, oh, what are you up to today? And I was like, oh, I'm taking my little mental health walk. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, wow, that's not something that someone would have said just even a few years ago, because this concept of mental health and sharing that you go to therapy or that you need a break from work to go for a walk, to take a step away from work is just so much more normalized than it was a few years ago. And I think that we're going to continue seeing this conversation of loneliness, but also what does it mean to be socially healthy? The same that we talk about mental health. What does it look like to say, I am, am feeling satisfied. I am feeling filled up by the different types of connections that are in my life, whether it's talking to a stranger, whether it's talking to your neighbor, whether it's talking to a close friend, all of those different buckets of connections in our lives 
help us feel that that sense of satisfaction that I am full and I feel content with the level of connection in my life. And, you know, with the COVID pandemic, a lot of that connection went away because we were at home and we were trapped in our houses or apartments or wherever we were that we weren't able to have those types of connections with strangers or with neighbors. Maybe we were still having those phone calls with close friends and family members and, you know, our our coworkers that we were hopping on Zoom calls with. But those different connections, I think, is what we've been missing out on. And so now that more and more people are reintroduced into the world, and whether you're still working remotely or reintroduced, I should say, not to the world, but to this way of living, of going to concerts again, going to events again, being in person, it's really challenging us to say, what does it feel like for me to have these groups back in my life, this type of connection back in my life? And how does that help me feel more myself? So that's the piece of it that I get really excited about is not just the loneliness and helping to satisfy loneliness, but really what does it look like to feel full in those different aspects of relationships in your life? Do you see that people struggle even with reconnecting with others like they did before? Absolutely. Yes. Well, it's it's funny. You know, there's so many studies out there and there's one in particular that I like to lean on that was done by the Future of Workplace and Virgin Pulse where they talk about how 70% of people in 2018 said that friendship at work was the most important element of their work life. And I just find that to be so interesting that here we are years later and we're saying, wow, that friendship at work is something that we're missing out on. I'm sure so many of the listeners are working remotely still or have even started their own businesses and don't have that level of friendship at work. And so trying to figure out now that we've taken away the office or the office has a different role in our lives. How do we find that connection these days? And also in other parts of our life. I mean, I even think to myself back when in the pandemic, I think so many people lost some of those loose ties, those friendships that weren't quite your best friends, but they were like casual friends that maybe you saw at trivia night or maybe you were in a book club together, but the book club fizzled out and you haven't reconnected with them. Those types of relationships too have definitely been on a decline and people are trying to figure out how to find space for them again in their lives today. Can you share some insights on how this loss of connection that we have experienced over the past years does influence our capability to create ideas, to solve problems, where we loosely exchange with other people on that, maybe not even directly on the problem, but it helped us obviously to just have more connections and by this our brain was working differently. How do you see this influence of loneliness, let's call it like that, on this area? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said around being in good company with other people to spark new ideas and finding those circles of people in your life to help you do that is sometimes really challenging. I think back to when I was actually in college and that that lifestyle of having all these different circles of people in my life was right outside of my door. I could go to a different club. I could go to a different class. I could go to an organization I was a part of, an internship I had, my work, whatever it was, I could be a part of all these different circles of people and kind of be spark, you know, spark those ideas in those different circles and come back to my homework or come back to my work and say, oh, wow, I'm looking at this differently because I had some really interesting conversations with something not related earlier. Um, and, and I think that not having those different circles to go back to does, you know, it, it does impact our creativity. And so, One of the things that I've noticed at Groove, you know, we've got people from all over the world that are hopping onto the app to come co-work for 50-minute sessions. 
And as of right now, there isn't a way to specifically segment just by a specific circle of human. So if you're like, oh, I just want to meet freelancers right now in the app, there isn't a way to do that. In the future, there should be a way, you know, for folks to be able to kind of cre create that specific experience. But I think one of the benefits that we hear again and again from Groovers is saying, God, the amount of creativity I get from talking to someone in a completely different field than I am or someone from the other side of the world than I am or someone who said something like how they were taking a break to go and garden for the first 15 minutes of their focus session. And then they were going to get into their work. I was like, boom, I could go and garden for 15 minutes and then get into my work. It just changes things when you're around different types of people throughout the day. So uh, yeah, I definitely think creativity has been yeah on the decline because of that. Yeah, I can really feel what you're saying. For example, recording <laughs> this podcast, that was for me an amazing opportunity to just exchange with people who I normally would never meet and to have a very intense discussion because obviously this half hour is an intense half hour each time that brings so much energy. It's a true energizer to exchange with someone also on the other side of the world, see a few different perspectives, get insights on topics I am personally also interested in. And I think this is something that did not work like that before. Obviously, there were podcasts, but I realized as well, you can contact today someone on LinkedIn and just ask for an exchange or a chat. Whereas I think three years ago, people would have thought, why should I jump on a Zoom call at this point? I don't know. Yeah. I, that culture around uh, conversations with strangers, I do think has changed online quite a bit in the last few years. And as you mentioned in my last job when I was working with Seth, it was funny because I was really on the beginning stages of seeing how this world could be more connected. So in, in that role, I was building online workshops with people from all over the world to come together in cohort-based learning programs. So the most famous one is called the All-MBA, which is a 30-day program. And people from all over the world, all different walks of life, people did very different job titles would come together to learn. And that was simply it. They wanted to come and learn and connect. And within 30 days, they were changed because they had such incredible conversations with people who were different than them. So it was sort of an interesting turn of events when COVID hit that suddenly everyone was connecting online and in Zoom. And I was like, wow, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. Um, I'm just grateful that more people are seeing the benefits of connecting with people from around the world. And, you know, really this light bulb moment of where you are physically doesn't have to like inhibit the types of conversations that you could be having. When you're going through such a meeting and there are different types of networking events which you can do online and all of that, but over time, there's a special hunger for more, yeah? And you are also saying that it's all about scaling intimacy in early stages when you join a community or when you want to grow one yourself. How can we do that? How can we scale intimacy? Yeah, so for anyone that's listening that hosts events of any sort or are, you know, trying to bring people together in any sort of way, I think one of the biggest challenges for all of us is when you've got a small group of people that feels really good together, it's really clear who it's for, there's good vibes, people are really loving it, it makes you question, how could I make this bigger? Maybe it's a community that you're running for your organization, whatever it is. And I think that the big key is trying to figure out how can you position this as an experiment and learn as much as possible from those early stages and bit by bit try to scale it. And the reason why I say that is Intimacy is really hard to scale. You look at social platforms like Facebook, for example, that are huge, huge, huge. So many people that are on Facebook. And there are little pockets of it feeling intimate. 
But as a whole, it doesn't, I wouldn't say Facebook feels intimate for everyone. You know, it's a pretty big world out there. And so when I think about Groove and building Groove, I find it very fascinating to think about what does it look like for us to take the special connections that people are having in these groups of four, three, or two, that's how many people you can Groove with, and making it feel something that can really help a lot of people from around the world. I think that, uh, you know, the more that we can listen to each other of what does it feel like when it's intimate and then helping create different ways for us to kind of feed that into how we grow it is the most important part to it. How do you work with people who are more introverted who are not speaking up so much in these kind of circles where it takes really a number of meetings that they really participate and, and open up? How do you deal with that? It's a great question. We actually did a survey a few uh, months ago where we were like, oh, where do you fall on the scale of introvert versus extrovert inside of the group community? Because for a platform that is so socially connected, you would think <laughs> a lot of people would more, more lean towards extrovert if you had to guess. But we actually found that it was smack dab in the middle, which I found fascinating. And the, you know, the way that we gather feedback and have those types of conversations are in a few different ways. One-on-one -on -one conversations can really help folks that are introverted and want that special one-on-one -on -one time versus a big group conversation. So we try to get feedback in both of those different ways. And also forms, you know, having a really fun form. I think that adding some pizzazz to those questions and even that submit page, if you can make a little bit of a surprise and delight when they land there to help them say, wow, I, I just did something fun. And I'm grateful that I took the 10 minutes to fill out this form because it added a boost to my day. I think those types of things are really, um, really great ways to add in how to kind of check those boxes of helping each of those types of people feel satisfied and helpful in conversation and in giving feedback. Yeah, so it's very much about the format. People can just express their personality a little bit differently and go out of their own box and just show a bit more of themselves. And I think people in the office even can use these kind of thoughts as well to understand, yeah, maybe the next workshop, I shape it a little bit differently. I look into the different... Um, people that I have in there and I do something that is potentially more playful, for example. So also that those who never speak up are more mm -hmm. integrated to the whole group. There's also an aspect to what you're doing when it comes to creating more connection and a deeper connection, especially. And that is when it comes to making friends. You said before that for 70% of people, the most enjoyable part of their work, if I remember it right, was mm -hmm. that they friends at work, yeah, that they feel like their colleagues are friends. Now, these days, many people started in the meantime in a new company and they have rarely met even the people that they see on screen every day. And I think it's much more difficult today. Let's look at this maybe from a broader perspective. How difficult is it to make new friends if you're an adult? Yeah, and I'm going to give you one more stat here. So in that same study that I mentioned, they also talked about how... Um, there are these casual friendships, you know, like I said, think about those book clubs where it might not be your best friend, but you had a great time when you went and saw each other. And those types of friendships really emerge around 30 hours spent together, which honestly is a lot of time. Think about all the book clubs. If you did two hour long book clubs throughout the year, that's 15 book clubs. That's quite a bit of time that you're spending together in order to build that casual friendship. Beyond that, then you're looking at a good friendship. So maybe it's your two of the book club. You're like, oh, this is someone I'm going to hang out with one-on-one -on -one, and we're going to grab dinner once in a while together. Or we text, whatever it is. Those types of good friendships emerge around hour 140. And that, again, is like a ton of time. And then beyond that, best friendships don't emerge until three hours spent together. That's what the study found. 
And I just find that to be so fascinating because if we look at all of those hours and all of the people in our lives that we might want to spend that time with, it really comes down to that question of who are we developing a long-term relationship with? Who are going to be the people that we form best friendships with? Or even just those casual friendships, because you're going to have to put in the hours to really build those connections. And with work and being in an office, it was almost a no-brainer that you were to, you were able to rack up those hours a lot quicker of time well spent together, whether it was going on a coffee run or if it was working on a fun project, doing a brainstorm, eating lunch together. Those hours were really easy to fit into your day. Whereas building those friendships outside of work is much more challenging, especially when you've got habits, you've got families, you've got friends, you've got responsibilities. How many uh, 140 hours are you going to fit into your year to focus on just building a friendship? And so that's where I think it's really interesting when you look at the numbers, because it's difficult to make that choice. And which friends are you going to put the time into developing those relationships with? Yeah, it's a true question of prioritizing today. What happened before naturally and just by coincidence most of the time that we didn't even plan for it, we have to plan for it now. It's so fascinating because then you, you start to realize, well, wow, that's a lot of time. And that's why I find it so interesting when we also think about how much time are we spending talking to strangers? And personally, I really enjoy talking to strangers. And I think that it's... Um, It's just really fulfilling for me. Like if I'm in the grocery store, I've probably talked to three or four strangers by the time I've left. I'll be like, oh, I see some things in your basket. I love that product. Have you tried this? And so those short bursts of, of conversation or holding a door open for someone and telling them to have a nice day can really make a difference in someone's day and they can fill your cup too. There's a lot of science behind that as well. And so those you don't have to put so many hours into, but you can still get a lot of satisfaction from. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh gosh, How am I going to make a friendship with 140 hours? It starts small, you know, start talking to some of the people that you bump into that neighbor that maybe you walk at the same time in the neighborhood with and you just always wave to each other. Start a conversation, start a conversation with someone that works in your office that maybe they work in a different section than you and grabbing lunch with them could be something really powerful that could turn into more of those hours spent together. When you say, okay, I'm in the workplace. I have a lot of colleagues, but I don't know any of them, really. <laughs> We never speak about anything personal because there's just that, that, that format is not existing, that container. How can they create a container where they could meet the others and speak about something different than work? I mean, there were these virtual coffee things, but then wow, people got tired of that as well. <laughs> it felt like a bit forced over time also. In the beginning, it was mm -hmm. like, yeah, we have a virtual coffee, fantastic, in the first COVID year. But now it's like, oh, virtual coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. No, yeah, you're, you're spot on. It's, um, you know, there's, uh, if anyone has ever read a book by Priya Parker or listened to a podcast by her, she has an incredible book called The Art of Gathering, which I highly recommend if you do any connection inside of the workplace. And one of the things that she did, and I just thought it was such a fabulous example for exactly what you're describing, is she, she created these nights where she brought together parents and she said, there's one rule. We're all coming together for dinner and you can't talk about your kids. And so they called it like no kids night or something like that. And so with that one rule, it then stripped away any any conversations about kids. And so they were able to show up as parents, but as their full selves. They were supposed to talk about who they are at their core. What are they struggling with these days? What are they excited about these days? But they couldn't bring up those kids. And so If you're thinking about how to do this inside the workplace, I might say create some sort of a one rule um, 
initiative. You know, toss it in your Slack channel, put it out an email and say, hey, I would really love to have a no work lunch once a week or every two weeks. Anyone want to join me? And if you can get a group together, even three people, it could be a really powerful way to get to know each other on a regular basis and start spending time together. And that one rule starts to allow us to connect as humans and not just coworkers. Oh, that's a fantastic idea. I think many people will just implement that right away. <laughs> I hope so. I would love that. <laughs> I just came back from a work retreat with this, the group team and we had a really powerful experience going on a hike together. And I was supposed to facilitate what that conversation was supposed to look like. And I, I implemented the no work talk rule. Tell your story about who you are and what you're up to these days without talking about work. And it was such a powerful hike. We broke up into pairs and people really got to know each other as people. I would highly recommend it. And it's also a great way if you have groups of ladies in your life that you love having over to your house or apartment and you want to create that one rule connection piece of, hey, everyone, we're coming. And the one rule is we're all going to be talking about books tonight or we're all going to be talking about the things we used to do as kids. And you can create that container for how to have connection just by implementing a, a small rule. Is this something that helps introverts as well to speak up easier? Yes. And I actually would say one of the things that I find really powerful about this experience is if you give people a little bit of time to prepare. So make sure that rule is clear when you're creating the gathering. If you're creating an invite or you're blasting out a text or an email to tell people to come, give them a little bit of time to prepare and maybe ask them a couple of questions. If they, there's no need to prepare in advance, but if you would like to, here are two questions that you might want to think about before you show up. And for the introverts in the room, Sometimes that time to quietly think ahead before they answer can be really, really profound and helpful for them. I also, as an extrovert, love a little bit of reflection time ahead of time. Um, and it doesn't mean that your answers need to be perfect when you show up, but at least you get a little bit of quiet time to articulate what you want to and show up as you would like to. So I would also suggest doing that to help them out just a little bit more. To just create a bit more connection with people and to go back to this human connection that we are all longing for because we are social beings. So we need that, actually. And even if we got unused to it over the years, over the past years, we need to get used to it again. And there's so much more of it. In the environment we are working now, where we're operating in, that is different. And that will stay different. We'll stay, I think, in this hybrid world because it has a lot of advantages as well. So I think it's a good thing to do. Absolutely. And if I can share one more resource that would be super helpful for folks that are curious about these types of conversations, there's an incredible author named Kat Bellows. And Kat has this calendar where you can get the printed version or the digital version. And each month she has all of these different questions on it that you can ask in conversation. So I've actually gotten the digital version of the calendar and I made one of the months my desktop wallpaper. So right now I'm looking at the one that says alternatives to what's new. And I have 20 different questions that I can ask people. So anytime I'm on a Zoom call, for example, if you're hopping on with a coworker or if you're on the phone with a friend you haven't talked to in a while, you download one of Kat's uh, calendars and you go ahead and, and, and check out some of the questions she's not got on here. It's really interesting because so often we resort to these questions like, oh, what's new with you? Or how are things? And the automatic answer is like, oh, they're good. And then you don't really learn anything about that person. And so what I love about some of these questions is, for example, Kat has on here, um, what part of your house do you wish was different? And I think it's such a funny question because it totally opens things up. Um, for me, I'm already thinking about my tiny, tiny sink and all the stories I could tell about the disasters with my tiny sink. 
I wish it was bigger. Another one is how would you spend a six month sabbatical or how has your style changed over time? And those types of questions, if you just invite them into your life more, it creates much more interesting conversation. So I would challenge you, whether it's talking to a coworker or a friend, try to bring in those questions that aren't an automatic, I'm good or it's good so that you can have more meaningful conversations. Exactly. And by this, we can create real quality time with us. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We'll rack up our hours and they'll be well, well spent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you get in, into something much more detailed about the lives of others that you would not even expect or suspect or even ask for in a normal time. It's a really good idea. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> of course. So we are coming to an end. Do you want to share where we can find you and also Groove if people are solo entrepreneurs or solo workers and want to connect? What can they do? Totally. So if you want to check out Groove, I think we'll probably have a link right in the show notes for you to go ahead and click that. But if you're like, I can't find the show notes, it's groove.ooo, like out of office, to check us out there. And you can hop into a 50-minute co-working session with me or anyone else on the platform. It's just a really powerful way to get stuff done and meet really cool people along the way, like I said, to have the types of relationships and conversations we've been talking about. And, you know, each each groove is 50 minutes. So those times of shared experience really does come together well. You're focused on a project that you care about during those 50 minutes. But that shared experience of doing it alongside someone else virtually is really powerful and helps you yeah, get to know those people really well. And as far as connecting with me, I would love to connect with you. My Twitter handle is HeyTayHair. I'm pretty active on there. So it's H-E-Y-T-A-Y-H-A-R. And on LinkedIn, it's the same thing. So it's like the slash HeyTayHair medium. You can find me writing on there a lot about adult friendships and loneliness. So would love to connect with folks that way. Okay, thank you very much. And we'll put everything into the show notes, obviously. So Perfect. Thanks, Taylor, you know, for this great conversation. We could have gone on for a while, certainly. And there are a lot of good insights for the audience, which they can use in their daily life. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Do you want to get free access to my ebook, Top 10 Achievers Lessons? To get your free ebook, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Then send me a screenshot of your review to my email address, contact at ulrikaseminati.com and I will send you your ebook straight away. This was another episode of Empowering Female Leaders. What are the questions and topics in female leadership that you are interested in? Let me know in the comments on YouTube and Instagram or join our LinkedIn group. I am excited to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for new talks with inspiring women from all around the globe. Thank you for listening.